Our gospel lesson for today, the second Sunday in Lent, comes from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then Jesus began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. brought notes. I don't know what kind of superhuman you are. <laughs> notes are dangerous. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> I will not let you say otherwise. You will not let me say otherwise. Okay. Well, as per normal, I'm, I'm going to start with a story. Now, we have not planned much. Don't you wish we would have sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> so... You may remember if you were here the last time Bishop Lorna was with us, and she and I did this, we kind of looked at each other like, do we know when to cut this off? I'm actually going to start my timer to make sure. <laughs> like, 15 minutes. If we go over that, we're done. Okay. That might be the way to do it. <laughs> All right. So I do have a story to kind of start things off based on sort of what I kind of think might be going on here. And if you disagree, then it's just a fun story. <laughs> So um, I was on vacation this past week, and um, uh, for those of you Wednesday night, yes, I was waving at you from Cancun the next morning. <laughs> but uh, we were flying back on Friday, and if anyone's ever gone through air travel before, you know that you kind of have an expectation of this is how things are supposed to go, but... Anyone who's ever flown, probably more than one time, knows that sometimes it, it, it works like it's supposed to, and sometimes it doesn't. Well, so we were getting ready to leave Cancun um, mid-afternoon on Friday, and as we were driving towards the airport, and we were pretty much to the airport, we discovered that everyone in Cancun thought it was a good time to leave Cancun at the same time. And our traffic ground to a halt. And we're all looking at our watches like, okay, what time are we supposed to be there? Ooh, okay, not very long. Okay, and then we'd sit for a few minutes and we'd, we'd creep ahead a little bit. Okay, well, are we going to get any closer? Okay. And uh, finally, we're like, all right, we're supposed to actually be boarding in less than an hour. Um, and we have security and customs and all that stuff to do. So uh, <laughs> I leaned up to the driver. I was right behind him and asked him, I said, how far are we from the terminal? And he says, Oh, a kilometer. So then I had to do the math. 
and that didn't work very well. But I'm like, okay, about a third of a mile. And I'm like, would we be faster to walk? And he looks at, yeah. <laughs> so, so we all get out of the van, and we walk to the terminal, got there okay. Got through security, okay. And we're like, all right, now it's time to go. And we look for our gate, and we have no gate. And we're like, oh, no, what's going on? Like, do we have a plane? Do we not? We went to the one we thought we were supposed to be. We were flying American Airlines, and there's a Delta person there. And she says, oh, no, we're Delta the rest of the day. And so now we're all kind of starting to get a little nervous. Like, are we going to get out of here or not? And uh, But here's the thing about Cancun. Like, they change gates all the time. So we're like, all right, it's going to be okay. And finally, about, I don't know, 10 minutes before uh, they're actually ready to start boarding, we go back to that gate. Well, now it's American Airlines, and that's our gate. Yay. And I asked the lady, I'm like, is that our plane? And she says, that's your plane. And so now I'm not sweating quite so much because, okay, we have a plane, great. And so we finally get on the plane. We actually boarded at a fairly decent time, even though our, our plane had come in late. And, um, and then we sat on the tarmac for the better part of an hour. And we had a fairly tight window to make our connection uh, when we came through customs and everything back in the U.S. And so we get into the customs line when we finally got to, uh, got, got to Charlotte. North Carolina, and we're like, all right, it's moving, but we're all watching our watches again and getting nervous and getting nervous and getting nervous. Well, we finally all cleared customs and we cleared security and got, we literally walked up to our gate with about five minutes before, uh, before they started boarding, and clearly we made it back. So in the end, it was, it, it was a happy story, but what we expected to happen, that was a really long way to go, what we expected to happen kind of did and kind of didn't, and I think that's what the disciples have going on today. I think. Notes. <laughs> Sorry, we like to give each other I wish time. you would have shared that story with me before I wrote my notes, but that's <laughs> Yes, um, so uh, perhaps where, you're, where I think you might be going with this is... Um, uh, the word Messiah, um, the text directly before this is, is Peter's confession that, uh, you know, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, well, you are the Messiah. And so then Jesus launches into this great big thing about how uh, being a Messiah is something absolutely opposite of what they believe what they think of as a Messiah, a triumphant leader who's going to come in and fix everything, and he says kind of the opposite of yeah. what's going to happen. And um, as we, as I, as I look through the text, I always try to um, think of it from put myself in the story, right, and try to think of what this meant for the disciples. And um, what came to mind was Jesus was saying, "Take up your electric chair and follow me," because to them, we look at we look at these texts in hindsight, obviously, and we know what the cross means for everybody, it's for us and for our salvation, things like that. But we don't, um, we don't think of what it meant for them. And for them, that was a pretty terrifying thing to hear come out of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And you were definitely picking up what I was putting down there. That's the direction I was going. <laughs> yeah, and, and Eric hit it on the head that, that Peter has just said to Jesus, you're the Messiah. Yay. And then in the next instant, it's, and Jesus is saying, and here's what that means. 
and it is blowing their expectations out of the water. Now, uh, I also appreciate what you talked about with relating to someone in the story. Uh, you guys know that I tend to relate to Peter. Um, I tend to be the one who puts my foot in my mouth, especially at tech study, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. But, but what I do sort of, it, it caught my attention actually just this morning as I was reading this, that, that Jesus is talking to them all openly, and then Peter pulls Jesus aside. So maybe Peter's learning just a little bit. And if so, maybe there's hope for all of us. But, but he pulls him aside. No, this cannot be. And Jesus says, you're setting your, thi- your how's it go? I can, you're setting your mind not on heavenly things, but on human things. And who can blame him? Um, we, they didn't have hindsight, like Eric was just saying. Uh, we have these stories that we, we revisit, that we read them. We go through them every year. And as we edge towards Easter and Holy Week coming up here in a few more weeks, uh, this is what we're moving towards. I I appreciate that this story falls at this point here fairly early in in the season of Lent. We're just a couple of weeks in now. Uh, As a reminder that this is where that's going. Um, And while we know what lies beyond that, we have that, that hope um, the hope of the promise, like I was talking with the kids about a, a moment ago. Um, for those in that moment, they, they didn't have that. They couldn't see uh, forward. They, they had these expectations. They had these thoughts of this is how we think things are going to go. Then reality is going to turn out to be something completely different. And for me, that's, that's reassuring in those times when we face the unknown rough stuff. And we all do. Um, we, we think about the, the, the lack of guarantees of the future. We, we don't know what's going to happen. Even as little or as, as simple as talking about the idea that tomorrow is not guaranteed. We expect it. We hope for it. We probably even have plans for it. But we're still blind to what the future will hold. And so is there any good news in this? There, there is, Scott. I'm glad you asked that question. No, um, uh, to be honest, there's a lot of things that, that came up for me in this text. And one of them, you know, I travel to a lot of congregations that have, you know, you guys probably have 40 people here, so 30, 30 to 40 every, every week. Uh, a lot of congregations I go to higher than that. I'm, my math is... We're about 60. 60 is what I meant to say. Uh, <laughs> But a lot of the congregations that I that I go to, uh, especially in the very rural places in Iowa, have 10 to 15 people. And so this text does have um, focus on human things and focus on spiritual things. And I appreciate that Jesus is kind of pointing out a spiritual theology rather than a human one. Um, the church goes on even when all of us are gone. And um, so... I think I have to think about things differently when I go to congregations like that, that some of them may be ready to close um, in the coming months and um, within a year. And um, so thinking about uh, spiritual uh, theology versus human theology, this is what Peter's trying to wrap his head around, and all the disciples continue to try to wrap their heads around. Um, but a story that came up for me, and I'll share it here, I'll show how coordinated I am by opening up this book and pulling out the book that's inside the book. Watch, it's a magic trick. Um, 
and I'm going to put this book down, and I'm going to open this book. <laughs> Ta-da! Um, so, so this this text for me kept talking, kept coming back to this uh, spiritual versus human. Um, and I thought about uh, Henry Nouwen, who is a renowned author, who is, um, gosh, he's got Harvard degrees and Notre Dame degrees and uh, speaker around the world, things like that in, in his time. And he talked about a time where he um, had, was called to go work at a facility for people with disabilities. And disability is a lot of what my world revolves around. Um, and so he talks about this story about going to this to work at this place um, for people with disabilities, and they have no idea who he is. They don't care that he's been to Notre Dame, that he is a world-renowned preacher, that he's a world-renowned author, that he is... All they see is, who are you to me right now in this moment? And that, I think, is like a spiritual theology rather than like our humanness. All the humanity, all the, all the human accomplishments that he brought with him didn't matter anymore to them. It was, who are you to me in this moment right now? And I think that's, that's where we are in a lot of churches right now, trying to think about how the church moves forward. You know, in COVID, numbers are dropping and things like that. And in a very real way, the outside world is asking, who are you to us right now? Who are you in this space to us? And um, we can, you know, we love our buildings and we love um, having things here, but who are we in the community? And that's the question that I think they're asking. Um, but I just wanted to read this real quick. And he, uh, he's discussing, coming to terms with, with this, all of these uh, understandings. Um, he says, not being able to use any of the skills that had proved so practical in the past was a real source of anxiety. I was suddenly faced with my naked self, open for affirmations and rejections, for hugs and punches, for smiles and tears, and all depended upon simply upon how I was perceived at that moment. In a way, it seemed as though I was starting my life all over again. Relationships, connections, reputations could no longer be counted on. This experience was, and in many ways, is still the most important experience of my new life because it forced me to rediscover my true identity. These people forced me to let go of my relevant self, the, the self that can do things and show things and prove things and build things, and forced me to reclaim that unadorned self in which I am completely vulnerable, open to receive and give love regardless of any accomplishments. Yeah. I, Thoughts? Thoughts? Um, so what really jumped at me, you mentioned this a moment ago, um, the, the idea of resurrection is, is very present here. And what catches me every time, not just in this event, if you remember, Jesus announces it to his disciples three times uh, that this is going to happen. And they completely miss the resurrection part, that I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to die, but then three days later, I'm coming back. And, and they're just, they, they're flabbergasted. They, they run into the wall of, I'm going to die. And they don't hear anything beyond that. And I think the, the promise that's present with what we're hearing from Jesus today, I think it's even present in the story we heard about Abraham, 
that that God's promises have a future, and they may go beyond us. And in fact, in the Jewish understanding, that's very, very applicable. It's very much God's promises to the people, even more so than to the individual. But, uh, but the promise of the resurrection is not just about this happy, joyful Easter morning when Jesus comes back, although, yes, that's happy and joyful and wonderful. But it's that we have a God that specializes in creating new life out of death. And how often do we forget that? Um, I definitely forgot that when I thought we were going to be late for our flight. But it worked out. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that's a good example or not. But, but thanks be to God that, uh, that God's promises are bigger than we can understand and fathom. Um, even if it ultimately ends up looking different than we expect it to. Did, did we get somewhere there? We did, and the timer didn't go off yet. 1441. Oh, we get to go home 20 seconds early today, everybody. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>